Hey, this is Alex, and this is Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. So, I don't really have a plan here. I messed up the timing because I messed up the timing two weeks ago, and here we are, where the Lunchbox radios have shifted to a different schedule that I gotta get used to, because of course. Um, but, I've read a thing that made me have some thoughts. Um, and usually the way that goes is usually you're reading things, at least in my university, reading things either about the, like, colossal fuck-up that is the current state of Twitter, or you're reading things about the colossal fuck-up that is the current state of HBO. And in this case, like, I'm always reading stuff about Twitter, because that, that thing's a hilarious nightmare, and it's just kind of like everyone decided to watch the fire burn and see what happens, which I can appreciate. But the thing that I saw was actually about HBO Max. And it was... It was David Zasloff, the much maligned and much villainized, rightfully so, I think, um, new head of HBO via its merger with... Via HBO being purchased by... Um, Warner Brothers Discovery, which is his bag of bullshit. And when Zavloff was cutting tons of programming, largely independent animated programming that was made explicitly for HBO as a, HBO Max as a service, as like a streaming platform, everybody was wondering, like, what, what the fuck does he think does well on a streaming service? And much less, what the fuck does he think does well for HBO? Because I don't know if you've been on HBO Max lately, but it's gotten real weird. The reason why I say that is because you expect to start, up until recently, up until really House of the Dragon, which is very popular, but not very good, is what I will say. Um... You expected a certain level of quality. And yes, there were some there were some swings and some misses, but they were big swings and misses. Like that weird um show about music in the seventies was a big swing and a miss. But it was based off but like them saying yes to that was based off of their show about prostitution in the seventies and about like early Times Square in the seventies. So they, they, like, that followed the pattern. And HBO was known for just being like, this seems cool, here's a bunch of money, go try and make it, and we'll put it on HBO. And after a while, people got used to that kind of viewing. And that, in addition to what HBO stands for, which is home box office, and that was always about, like, Lots of times movies went to HBO before they went to general cable or before they or before other steps in the process of distribution, so to speak. This was old school HBO when it was a thing you could pay for in addition to your cable service. Uh, which meant that you were paying for cable, but you were also paying for HBO as its own thing, as an extra add-on. But what 
David Zavloff said really kind of stunned me, and it, it made me think of Twitter, too, because... And I'm going to get political here for a second, so just bear with me. And if you've been listening to this, you know I'm generally political, and I don't know what you expected from the biracial, um, physically disabled brain cancer survivor who talks about cartoons on the internet, but I'm very liberal. Um, when Trump got elected, there was this real feeling of, A, abject, stunned terror and discussed, but B, that Trump is like this dying gasp of what you, of what everyone used to view as the top of the pyramid. Old, rich, cis, straight, white guy. And in Elon Musk attaining Twitter, and in David Zasloff now, like, wielding an axe over at HBO's, in HBO's licensing rooms. That has this weird same feel. And that didn't strike me, that didn't strike me as a parallel until Zasloff revealed what he wants for, what he thinks is a good bet. So, you can go read the article over on, um, over on The Verge. But what, essentially what David Zasloff thinks is a good bet is best to have worked before. And that's not wrong. But it's fairly short-sighted in a way, and it's fairly cynical. What I mean by best to have worked before, uh, I'll give you a pra- I'll give you a practical example, and then I'll give you actually I'll give you two practical examples. I have been watching to my own chagrin, largely the because it's interesting and like DC stuff is interesting to me because DC basically forces forces itself into a corner to make the most diverse cast of characters it can at any given point. And if you look at DC's self produced out, like, in a vacuum, things, like, say, that are amazing, by the way, like Justice League Unlimited, you get characters of color, you get, you get Lex Luthor, who's essentially evil Cory Booker, but maybe not all that evil, and not always evil, but he... In the new, but, like, then you filter that through a bunch of, like, approvals and bullshit, and, like, they're not going to make evil Cory Booker. They're going to make Lex Luthor into something else, and they did in the new in the new season of Titans. But my point here really is that the new, the, the fourth season of Titans just dropped, just premiered with two episodes on Thursday, on, la, on last Thursday at the time you're hearing this. There was a announcement for Tokyo Vice coming second season coming soon. Weeks, if not over a month ago. Why is one show 
couple, why one show just dropped on you and the other one has to announce that far in advance to like make sure that everybody knows it's still breathing. The reason is, is that in programming's mind, DC, superheroes, comic book, comic book adaptation, that's a hot ticket still right now. That's something that's always worked. That's something that's always been a money fountain. Let's turn the money fountain back on. And here's where this interacts with anime. Anime has always been interested in not only doing adaptations, but more and more, and even more and more, it's interested in doing its own original content. Like, for as many adaptation as light of light novels as you have you have interesting like attempts at an anime original thing things that are made to be anime and you have an interesting opportunity to do things like say um cyberpunk edge runners which i did an episode on you can go check out in the feed and I know I'm comparing an industry to a streaming platform, but I think the, the the reason why I'm doing that is because the anime industry has to keep putting out new things because there's just not enough old things. And what the and and also it has this innate creative desire behind it because the anime industry was started by people who love animation and is continued by people who love animation and is continued by more and more nerds who who grew up watching the shows of their youth and now want to make something in homage to that and you get a certain amount of turnover and that clicks in a certain amount of different inspiration. You see this in Western anime, in Western animation, actually. Like, you saw this with Avatar The Last Airbender and then Korra. You see this with Steven Universe. You see people who grew up, who grew up as um, Cosplay Fiend alluded to, waking up at midnight to the end scene of Inuyasha and, like, their minds were blown. And they became fans of like uh of like a specific anime series or anime in general or something like that. You see people in the animation industry get into positions of being animation directors, get into positions of developing and directing their own shows, and they are not shy about taking what inspired them and putting it and putting it all out there. The thing with depending on IEP, with like holding on to it for dear life, is you have to be careful about that. You have to be really careful about that. The, the one doing it the worst right now is actually Disney. Disney is pumping out tons of Marvel stuff of varying quality and like content. For, for every... You know, She-Hulk was a banger. Moon Knight was weird. You know, I'm sure every What If episode is not 
as great as the one before or after. I'm sure there are some standouts there, and there are some weird-ass ones there. You know, they're making tons of Star Wars stuff. Tons of it. Some, some stuff that's interesting. Some stuff that I look at, I'm like, this makes me want to take a nap. And they're saturating those markets because they they know that there's an audience for that stuff. That stuff is what you would think of as proven. And that's what um, Zasloff is after in HBO. In HBO. And here's the problem. And the reason why I started off with that dying, with that like last gasp of a dying age kind of thing. Is these guys fancy themselves masters of the universe because they've essentially been some variant of that for a very long time. And what so much of the people who program, who used to program TV, now program the streaming channels as well as TV, as well as what you go see in the movies, fail to understand is that that, that light from that franchise that's created at the beginning of like the franchise erupting into being fades over time. So, one of the things that um, Zasloff says that he wants more of, he said, there hasn't been a Harry Potter movie in 15 years. Now, the last last movie in the Harry Potter-like universe, The Secrets of Dumbledore, came out this year as I record this. God damn it. It was terribly received. It... The author, J.K. Rowling's reputation has fucked that thing up nine ways to Sunday. And the fan, the fandom of um, that property has gone a totally different direction. It's like they, there is now a whole lot of baggage around that property. The luster of it has faded. And if... David Zadloff is hoping for the Sorcerer's Stone premiere, which, by the way, I was a total nerd and was cap- was able to go to in London, which was very cool. Um, if he's hoping for that again, he's not going to get it. Like, it, it's not going to happen. And as much as people love the comfort of things they know. Much of people love that comfort. Much of people love returning to these worlds for new stories. That returning part is a little disappointing. So, I want to talk about um, Cyberpunk Edgerunners, because I think Cyberpunk Edgerunners does what the dream is for a in-world new property. Cyberpunk Edgerunners, I talked about, and you can, once again, if you want more Cyberpunk Edgerunners talk, you should really go listen to my episode about it a couple episodes back. Uh, but it 
it did the dream. It revived the game. It it took the it took the world of cyberpunk and it breathed life into it from a different direction with characters you've never met before and characters that you'll never see again, the way that show goes. And everybody immediately, the internet said, where's season two? Is season two happening? What's happening with season two? And Trigger came out and was like, have you seen this show? Everybody except for one character died in the end. Spoilers, by the way. We're not making a season two. We made this to make one season. And my immediate thought was, you could do with it what, if you really wanted to do a second season, what you could do is you could do with it what um, Disney's endeavoring to do with Star Wars. You could treat it like an anthology collection. And every season is a different, it's like a whole different crew, a whole different story, a whole different main character from a whole different angle. That way you could have like a season about a struggling Arasaka grunt who gets mixed up in the wrong thing. You could have a season about, you know, about, you could have the Adam Smasher season. You could have a season about, you know, somebody who goes to the moon and somebody who sets up shop at the moon who isn't Lucy and what that would allow you to do is, A, you could have fun linking in between everything, but you could also, you could start to, like, pull at the edges of what we now have as, like, a visual cyberpunk reference in the in the game, between the game, the board game, and now the anime. And you could expand it slowly. The best thing I can think of right now that does this really well is um, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And what jo- the way JoJo manages it is, it is they take one character, and it doesn't really matter which character. Maybe plus or minus a JoJo or two or three. And they... That character is your entree into the next cast of wild and zany stand-powered characters. And my one of my particular favorites is... Um, the little white, the little like, um, I forget his name, um, Sakuchi or something. The guy, the guy with echoes, the guy with the echoes stand, the egg that turns into a fucking beatboxing lizard. Um, he becomes the kind of intro character into part five. And there's a part five character that intros into part six and Jojo's from part five from part four is in part six Stone Ocean but for a bit but that done so Araki doesn't get bored that done so Araki can have a single series that he doesn't need to re-pitch to his editors ever and he can just like for a year, make a sing about, make a, make a, like, lockbox puzzle thing. And then he can make a weird gangster thing. And then he can make a thing about being in a women's prison in fucking Florida. And the, 
the kind of audacity of that is amazing. But it takes a lot more work than you would think. And while I think they're getting there on some level with um, Star Wars, I don't think... And they had gotten there with Star Wars beforehand because they had the plethora of movies plus all the novels and video games and stuff. So that groundwork was there. I don't think that Zavloff and others at HBO who want Harry Potter to be their savior are really that imaginative when what they could be doing is what anime does all the time and what and what anime is regularly praised for doing, which is giving people something new. Like giving people the the Chainsaw Man's, the revival of Bleach, but also giving people the do-it-yourself, the Gundam Witch from Mercury. Like, giving people things that are, are adaptations, things that the industry knows will do well. Or giving people things like Akiba Made War, which is wild. And yes, Akiba Made War is very engineered to be successful. Like, you look at that thing, and you're like, oh, Akibahara made cafe girls with guns that do choreographed murder routines like their dance numbered? Absolutely. Sign me up. But also, if you've never seen it or heard of it, I probably just, you were probably like, wait, what? What's happening? Fucking excuse me? And also... And this is probably a facet of anime being a niche thing versus being one of these giant monocultural things like Harry Potter, like Batman, like, you know, comic book movie adaptations are now. But, like, the niche culture aspect of anime says to you, hey... This might not be for you, and that's fine. We've got, like, 20 other shows. Go find yourself something. Have you heard of Chainsaw Man? Maybe you were into Bleach when you were a kid. That's back. But what they're... But, so that's the anime industry's angle at it. They're, they're not trying to get all the eyeballs. They're trying to get a plurality of eyeballs. What... People who are, as they say, programming by ledger. I actually just heard that from, um, from, uh, what's his face? Oh, from Sage over at Anime Abandon. He used that in his Angel Egg review. Actually, his, um, a- Angel Egg Aftermath review, which is an even wilder fucking thing. Um, you feel that, like, programming by ledger myth happening with things like we haven't had another Harry Potter movie we haven't had a Harry Potter movie in 15 years he did not recognize that all of the Fantastic Beasts movies were Harry Potter movies like that was that was that's the whole point of those fucking movies what he means is we have not seen the character Harry Potter in 15 years no duh 
He grew up. He had a family. That They made a play about it. Are you going to get that play produced as a movie? Because that's your play. That's the deal. And even that's not the Harry Potter we all kind of want. That's a Boruto... That's a Naruto bad dad in Boruto scenario. From what I understand. The thing is, once you do a magic trick in any kind of entertainment, you can't put the rabbit back in the hat. You just can't. As much as you might want to, as much as you might want the ability to recreate that magic and and have the, and erase everybody's mind and make all the, those dollars over again, you can't. The mania happened. It died off, and now it's a slow simmer, the way it will always be until the end of time. And yes, those people are tappable for money. But it's a little like, you can either do this and be a moderate success, or you can do something new, and there's a chance that it's a huge success. And... Yes, I know that Hollywood is largely risk-averse, and that's why once they find something they work, they ride it into the fucking ground. I look forward to that happening with Black Panther. I absolutely think that will happen with Black Panther. But if you remember how stunned the entire industry was, the entire entertainment industry was, that Black Panther was successful... When every single person who loved that movie was like, of course it was successful, motherfucker. You finally gave us a goddamn superhero. Like, you, you took the one. You did the thing. And this is your reward for doing, not necessarily something new, but something new in the medium and new that shows that you're aware And that is so not what you know, Elon Musk wants to do with Twitter, and he's talking about free speech. He wants to be able to use the he wants white people to be able to use the N word on Twitter. Like that's what he wants. He wants um. He wants hate speech back on the internet as if it ever left. And he wants to allow it on Twitter, which is even worse. Like he wants the things that these that so much of the. And don't get me wrong, I think the, especially in America currently, the anime industry has its own kettle of fish it needs to deal with. Just look at the panel reservations debacle for Anime NYC, which, by the way, I'm actually going to Anime NYC for the 19th that Saturday. So if I'm talking to somebody and you're like, oh, I recognize that voice, it is probably me. You can totally say hi. <laughs> um, if you're going to be at Anime NYC. Totally. Um, I will probably tweet out. A pattern that I will be wearing. So you can find me. Or not tweet out. Um, post that on Instagram rather. But the. This is what the dying gasp looks like. They're all trying to recapture the. They're all trying to recapture 
the first time that rabbit got pulled out of the hat. Because they, because they remember all the money that came with that trick. And it makes them look really backwards thinking. I mean, yes, I'm absolutely interested to go see what they do with Black Panther in the next movie. With the Black Panther property in the next movie. But that doesn't mean I'm not interested in a new thing. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to also line up for something new and interesting. And that I wouldn't, and that if they were pitted against each other, I wouldn't go for the interesting thing first. Because Black Panther is going to be fine. It's always going to be there. Now that it's a success, it will be propped up by its own success for as long as possible. Whereas the new thing is me giving my dollar, my eyeballs, my time to something interesting with different perspective, with different thoughts, and different everything. And you see this in anime's TV original thing, like um, Akiba Made War, which, God bless his soul, Jeff from um, Mother's Basement said, Akiba Made War might be better than Chainsaw Man. And the reason he probably said that was because Chainsaw Man is a known quantity. It, it was a ultra-popular manga that had been hyped up for like over a year. And it comes in, and of, co- and of course it looked, and it looked beautiful because of course it was going to. Does it, did it look more beautiful than people expected? Yes. But it's not, it's a known quantity. Same thing with Bleach Thousand Year Blood War. But the kind of like warming, soul-huggingness of do-it-yourself is wildly cool that that exists. The kind of hilarious, bizarre awesomeness of Akiba Made War is excellent. And you couldn't see it coming from a mile away. I mean, I'm sure something of it exists somewhere, but it it's wild. It's a wild thing that somebody was just like, yeah, we're going to put this on TV at the same time as fucking Chainsaw Man. And we are fighting with that because it will stand on its own. And it does. And I... So I'm going to end this here. And it's going to be weird. They attempted to adapt a comic book called Looper into a um, motion picture. It got one shot. It was not necessarily the best film adaptation of that comic book. And I haven't read much of Looper. I've read enough, but I've read enough to know that, uh, or Jumper, rather, sorry, Jumper, to know that it wasn't the best. And that was in the very early stages of comic book movies are all the thing right now. That we're still in to this day. But it was so interesting and it was so different from anything that other people were doing. 
and anything that would come after it. But I still think about it. I still think about that movie. It, the, the, the bus fight, the fight where they are jumping, where they are jumping, like basically teleporting all over the world, but also like occasionally back to this one double-decker bus and it's a fight. It's a magnificently weird concept that no one will probably attempt ever again. No one necessarily should they. But I'm glad that somebody was like, yeah, let's make the shit out of this thing. Let's, let's, let's throw money at this and see what happens. And I just, I... I don't necessarily worry about that happening, about that going away in anime. I think that anime will always produce anime original content that is, like, stand out in its moment. But I kind of worry about that for the rest of entertainment. Because, and eventually, yes, somebody will make something so, somebody will make something on a shoestring budget that is so jaw-dropping that people will be like, oh, this is the thing now, and that's how we'll get new shit. But as long as we're in this dying gasp era of, like, people like Trump, People like Zaslav, people like Elon Musk, who are trying desperately to keep their fingers on the controls of whatever it is they want to control. It's gonna be real, gonna be like pulling teeth for a while. And it's gonna suck. And I, I just, I was thinking about that in the context of like the two really great very clearly anime original shows that I'm watching right now versus the programming versus the programming that an old white an old rich white exec, media executive from who's had a job for decades wants to put on a streaming service and it just kind of stunned me the contrast there on that note, um, I've been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. Um, slightly more rambly than usual. If you like this episode, new episodes come out every Thursday and every other Sunday. Um, Sunday editions are more like this. They're more metatextual. They're more musing-esque. Um, and Thursday editions are about a specific show or property usually. Occasionally towards the beginning of a season they'll be about like what I'm watching but um definitely go check out the podcast on whatever um app you're using to listen to me right now if you like it subscribe if you really like it go ahead and leave a five-star review that really helps the show but until next time I've been Alex this has been Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition And I'll talk to you later.